Hey, my Carolina camp meeting peeps. It's good to uh, spend some time with you again. Um, my name is Pastor Jaime Pombo, and I would like to uh, again welcome you to this video series. I'm very sad that I'm not able to be with you in person, but I pray that you are still blessed by watching these uh, series that uh, what we're doing right now, um, we are looking at ourselves in a, in a stronger way, <clears throat> in, a, in a more precise way so that God can transform us to the people that he wants us to be. Without further ado, you saw in the last video, I, I did an introduction. Uh, th this video, we're gonna be talking about the first enemy of the heart. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time together. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be with us. I want to pray right now that you can continue to transform our hearts into your likeness, Father, so that we can be more like Christ and so that we can reflect him more. We love you, Father God, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. That's just a habit. I'm sorry. Anyway, back at go, getting into the sermon, uh, the first thing that I want us to re uh, to review is, you know, back in the 1940s, we did have, like I said, four um, uh, four monsters, you know, uh, the mummy, Frankenstein, Dracula, and the werewolf, and the wolfman, of course. And we discussed that all of these um, monsters, they would thrive in darkness, but once exposed to the light they were able to lose its power. And that's what we want to do. We want to take a look inside ourselves and we really want to uh, bring the things that are eating us up, bring them to the light so that they can lose their power in our lives. I mean, that's this is what Christ is in the business of doing. But in order to do that, we need to first take a look at ourselves and really know what is going on. So, the four enemies of the heart, just like these four monsters, they also thrive in darkness. But once they are brought into the light with its cure, you're able to be free. The first enemy of the heart that we're going to be talking about is guilt. And what we, one of the things that we're going to be noticing is that all of these enemies of the heart, they create a what is called debt to debtor relationship. Okay, debt to debtor relationship. Somebody owes someone something. Somebody owes someone something always. This debt to debtor relationship is established and therefore something needs to uh, take place in order for it to be fulfilled. So guilt says, and if you want to write this down, it will be good. Guilt says, I owe you. Okay. We're going to be reviewing what all of these enemies of the heart say, but guilt says, I owe you. You know, and guilt happens whenever you or I wrong someone else and we create this dynamic. We say things like, oh, I owe this person an apology uh, or I owe this person some money or I owe this person this or I owe this person that. And the, dic the dictionary defines the word guilt as a feeling of responsibility or remorse for some offense, crime, wrong, etc., whether real or imagined. Now, like I said, every single enemy of the heart has a debt-to-debtor relationship. It says something, but there's also a cure. And the cure for guilt is actually confession. Okay, so far so good. Follow me as I read or follow me as I, as I continue uh, to express myself. See, but I'm not talking of the type of confession, my friends, that most of us are accustomed to. 
see, where we just merely admit or our guilt in some particular incident. We say things like, well, you know, I broke your vase, or yes, honey, I drank out of the milk carton, or yes, officer, the light was red. See, this type of confession might temporarily ease our conscience, but it does nothing to expose the deeper secrets that we carry. Even worse, even worse, I want you to pay attention to this. This kind of confession can actually fuel more destructive behavior rather than stop it. Okay? So in other words, whenever we confess something to make ourselves feel better, we're not really going to the core of the issue. We're just basically putting a Band-Aid on a very temporary wound. But, you know, in other words, the wound itself might actually be bigger than the Band-Aid. Let me illustrate it this way. We've heard the very famous Bible passage, 1 John 1, 9. You probably know it by memory. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, what a wonderful promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins. I mean, to that we say amen. We say praise the Lord. We are grateful for this promise. Thank you, Jesus. That means that if we do something wrong, okay, First John 1, 9, hey, 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 that's always our, our backup. And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. He, he does forgive us every single time. But you need to understand, we're not talking about his forgiveness. We're talking about how we react to his forgiveness. The problem with this verse is that there's a danger is that it can become a loophole. Because what we do... And maybe you can relate to this. What we do a lot of the times is that we, you know, wake up in the morning or we have our prayer in the evening and we uh, confess our sins. We say, Lord, forgive us. We pray these very generic prayers. And when we confess the sins in those prayers, it's usually the same sins over and over and over and over again. You create this little sin bucket that you put your sins into when a lot of the times is that you're putting the same sin over and over again. And before long, my friends, hear me out when I say this, before long, our confession habit starts supporting our sin habit. Did you hear me? Before long, our confession habit is supporting our sin habit. I don't know about you guys, but I grew up Catholic. I did not grow up a Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a, 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 you know, people say it differently. Seventh-day Adventist, Seventh-day Adventist. You know, you know you're a Seventh-day Adventist when you pronounce it Adventist, and you know you are uh, that you you know you grew up that way, and you know that you are a new Seventh-day Adventist when you pronounce it Adventist. Anyways, who cares? When I was a Catholic back in the day, I remember that I. Uh, you know, we would go to school, right? And uh, I would purposely skip class in order to go to mass, which was actually inside of our campus. And the priest at that time was, you know, was telling us, you know, if you have any sins that you want to confess, we're doing it at this time. And, you know, we don't do it uh, during your recreation period because that's your time. So you can do it in between class. Well, of course, you know, we took advantage of that. But one of the things that I noticed when I did that was, is that I usually would come to the priest, you know, with the same sins over and over and over again. And 
you know, we would do the Hail Marys. We would do, you know, we would go standing in front of the of the Jesus statue in order to confess our sins, thinking that it had some magical power or anything like that. And I remember that I would always go back to the sin because I knew he was going to forgive me. And I knew that I was going to be forgiven. And I, I was going to be just fine. Lo and behold, I didn't realize that this was something that was fueling a very terrible behavior. And so with that, I thought to myself, well, if I have an outlet, I can still enjoy this. Are you following what I'm saying here? So we criticize sometimes our Catholic brethren for doing that, but we do the same thing and we don't even have a priest to go to. We do the same thing straight and directly with God. God is telling us that his forgiveness is for the purpose, is for the purpose of change. And never was 1 John 1, 9 and his promises to forgive us, never where they meant to fuel our desire to sin, but rather to turn us away from it. You need to ask yourself this question. Do we confess for change or do we confess to feel better? Do we confess for change or do we confess to feel better? How do you think God, God looks at this type of confession? Let's say you had a sister or a brother, you know, whatever family member you want that would come to your house and, you know, he would borrow or she would borrow your car keys and they would wreck it. Uh, they would wreck your car uh, and they would uh, leave your car dirty or, or whatever. And then, you know, they just came back and they would just give you your keys. Oh, I'm so sorry I did that. But then they, the next day they would come back and they would do the same thing over and over and over again. Let me ask you a question. Would you let that brother or sister borrow your car again if you knew how they were going to leave it? Of course not. But that's kind of, you know, you're thinking, okay, what kind of an idiot does this person take me for? But see, that's kind of the same thing that we do with God. We get into these confession habits so that we can just feel better. And next thing you know, we simply, all right, are you hearing me what I'm saying? We simply just get into this confession habit so that we can just feel better about what we're doing. God's going to forgive me, so we're good to go. That has never been the point of confession. God looks at this type of confession, and I believe he frowns. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, how is it that we have allowed confessing to be a way to facilitate our sin instead of ending it? We play this confession game because somewhere along the way we were taught or came to believe that confession is for the purpose of conscience relief and not for the purpose of change. And we really need to look at ourselves. We really need to ask ourselves, why do we do that? Do we want to remain the same people that we are? Do we even like ourselves? Or do we want God to change who we are so that we can live more like him? If you remember the story of Zacchaeus, you know, in, in Luke chapter 19, you know, Zacchaeus, obviously we know the little song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed upon the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, etc., etc. We picture Zacchaeus as this cute little man, this cute little tax collector. But in reality, Zacchaeus was a very evil tax collector. 
He was an evil tax collector and he would basically, he was the chief tax collector. So he was the tax collector of the tax collectors and tax collectors back then were at the bottom of the barrel. Okay. People would frown upon them. They would be in the same category as the prostitutes and the lepers because they knew that they would, they knew that they would be cheating people of their money. So what happens? One day he finds out that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming close to uh, to the city where he's at. And Zacchaeus, obviously being of short stature, he wants to see Jesus come. He wants to see Jesus. And so when Zacchaeus has this encounter with Jesus, uh, you know, he, you know, it says actually here in Luke 19, let me just read the story. He sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed upon into the sycamore tree to see him. I'm reading from the New King James Version, by the way, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. Zacchaeus was really excited. He was very excited. He actually had an encounter with Christ. And when he had that encounter with Christ, he knew that something was different. He felt it. He, he knew that inside of his heart of hearts that what he was doing was wrong. And then this is what Zacchaeus says to Jesus. He says, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. I restore four times. Zacchaeus, when he came to Jesus, he was so excited. He says, yes, I'm confessing this. I want to change. I want to change so bad so that I can be more like you. What did Jesus say? No, Zacchaeus, don't worry. That's all in the past. You ain't got nothing to worry about. No, no, no. I already forgave you. Did Jesus say that? Let's see what Jesus says in verse 9. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus was praising, praising, praising the Lord that Zacchaeus came to a true confession. And this is the type of confession that really changes our hearts. Not the one that uh, gives us the ability to continue sinning, but the one that really focuses on the heart change, that really focuses on the, on the inside out. What Jesus is saying is that our relationship with God, our relationship with God is the one that we need to really focus on so that we can move forward in his walk, in, the, in our walk with him. So as long as we're carrying a secret, as long as you and I try to ease our conscience by just telling God that we're sorry, we're setting ourselves basically up to repeat the past. But when we confess the way God intends us to, it will break the power of sin in our lives. See, Christ paid a debt that he did not owe and one that we could not pay. That kind of love should motivate us to pay those debts that we can pay to those that we do owe. Now, the enemy of the heart is guilt. And the also the cure for guilt is confession. If you really want to understand the power of confession, turn it around. Put yourself on the receiving end. 
Think for a moment, whose apology do you most desire and least expect to receive? You would probably never be the same. It would begin changes in your own heart that you could not resist. And see, that right there is the true power of confession. Not only does it have the potential to free you from guilt, but it may be the path to forgiveness for those that you have hurt. And this is the type of confession that God wants us to have. And this is the type of confession that can break the chains of sin and guilt in our lives. Asking God to change who we are inside so that and really help us look at who we are inside so that he can really mold us into his image. God is the only one that can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your many blessings. We pray for your Holy Spirit uh, to really uh, help us to see what's going on, that if we have guilt, uh, that we can really search to see who it is that we uh, owe something to or who do we need to confess it to. We pray, Father God, for your Holy Spirit to continue guiding our hearts. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.